I really believe you're going to hear a message today that probably you've never heard before. You've never looked at it from this concept. You've never looked at it from this perspective. And I believe that if you just get a grip of the Spirit, so there's no real notes. I think there's a, there's a picture to go up on the screen, but I on purpose didn't do any bullet points or any notes because what I would prefer you to do this morning is not take notes, but catch the Spirit of what God wants to say. And I, uh, I'm not saying you can't take notes. I'm just saying, you know, you can always listen to it on the podcast later. But I want to talk to you this morning about vulnerable God. Last week, we did a message called uh, Miracle in the Mess. And if you weren't here, you need to get online and listen to it because I'm telling you it will, uh, you know, I'm not just saying this because I preach it, but I'm saying it because it transformed me before it transformed everybody else last Sunday. But we just looked at this concept last week where we all have mess. Who here has mess? Good, some honest people this morning. We all have mess, but this is the great thing about Jesus. Jesus was sent for one, well, two purposes. One was to be the savior of your mess. Come on, that's why he came. And so the whole message around last week was this whole thing where we sometimes, especially Christians, turn around and we try to cover up our mess because we don't want people to know that we're messy. And instead of him being savior, he's just nothing because you won't expose it to him. And he came for your mess. Do you know that? That's why it says that he exchanged our robes of rags to his robe of righteousness. He actually came for your mess. And we do ourselves no favors by trying to cover it up. In fact, when you let God get into your mess, he does a miracle in your mess and does things beyond your wildest dreams. And so it's a, it's a crazy concept that we have, and I include myself in all that, that rather than expose our stuff, let's pretend that it's not happening. Then we want God to do something, but he can't do anything with what we hide. But then there's this other reason that Jesus came, and Jesus came not just to fix your mess, but to have a relationship with you. And God made himself incredibly vulnerable. There's this thing that God did with us that he hasn't done with any other part of creation. God made himself completely vulnerable to us in a way that he didn't to any other thing that he created. God, in his incredible mightiness, decided that in all of his wisdom and all of his knowledge, that he was going to make mankind, you and I, is going to make us in such a way that he was vulnerable to us. Because if you want somebody to love you, you actually have to make yourself vulnerable to that love, yes? If you don't make yourself vulnerable, if you don't, when I say vulnerable this morning, I mean make yourself open to rejection. That's what happens, yes? Come on, I don't know how, how many of you are parents here this morning, a lot of you are, but I can remember the first time my, my little girl, when she was about two years of age, told me she hated me. You know, it broke my heart. Trinity's like, she's two. She doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> two weeks, I struggle. My daughter hates me. No, she's just two having a tantrum. It's just reality. But God has the same vulnerability. God has created the same vulnerability in his world that, so that you and I would love him and so that it wouldn't be a dictatorship, so that it wouldn't be a domination, so it wouldn't be that he would control he decided in his wisdom that he would make himself vulnerable to our rejections. That he would allow us to choose. You see, 
God created each and every one of you and me with a space in our lives that only He fits in, yeah? That's what Scripture teaches us. In fact, the Bible says that it's a door to our hearts. And in one of the Scriptures I'll share a little bit later, it says that, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and if you would open the door, I'll come in and I'll dwell with you. But what you need to understand about this door that God created to your heart, that the door handles only on the inside. It's not on the outside. Because God in His wisdom decided that when it comes to you and me, He wants us to want to have relationship with Him. He wants us to want to be with Him. He does not want to force His way into your world. He does not want to force His way into your life. He made a decision that He would be vulnerable to you and I. And this is the great concept and the thing that blows my brain out of my head when I think about this, that God, Almighty God, God that controls the universe, God that knows everything, the most powerful thing, God who created. You understand what I'm talking about? He says that he holds the universe between his thumb and his forefinger. We're talking about a big, big, powerful, powerful God that decided that he would let us have the power over whether we have relationship with him or not. He decided in all of his wisdom that he would give you self-sovereignty and allow you to choose whether you will be in relationship with him or not. It's a crazy thing that this almighty God that controls the universe puts all the power of the relationship between you and him in your hands. Think about that for a moment. That this almighty God that says when he speaks, stars and planets are created out of his mouth, that almighty God said, you know, when it comes to my kids, when it comes to mankind, I don't want to control them. I'm going to let them choose. I'm going to let them choose as to whether we're going to be in relationship or not. I just think it's just incredible that this incredible, all-powerful God has decided that you're going to have all the power. See, he is impotent. In other words, has no power over the decisions that we make because he gave us sovereignty. He let you decide whether you'll be in relationship with him. He lets you decide whether you're going to serve him. He lets you decide whether you're going to come to church or not. He lets you decide whether you're going to love the unlovely or not. He lets you decide. This is a crazy thing about what God has done is he wants to reach the entire world. He wants to see every single person saved, but then he's decided to limit his ability to do that to you and I reaching out to the unsaved. He wants to see his kingdom advanced and he wants to see churches planted and he wants to see things happen, but then he decided that he would limit himself by restricting his ability to increase the kingdom by you and I giving and providing the resource for that to happen. Can you just understand for a moment how limited God has made himself to you and I just so that he could have a loving relationship? He's so in love with you that he handed over control to you because he wants you to choose him, not do it out of obligation but out of love and ownership. You see, I don't know what the word vulnerable means to you, but 
When I think about the word vulnerable, I think back to when I was in year eight at school, intermediate, and there was this girl, and her name was Simone. And Simone was, she was pretty. She was like one of the hot girls in school. Don't look at me like that. There ain't a boy in this room that didn't recognize the hot girls at school. Come on. But I loved Simone. I loved her so much. I would think about her a lot of the time and dream about what's it going to be like when we go out with each other and possibly, I don't know, get married and have kids and beautiful house with a white picket fence. And The problem with that was that Simone didn't know I existed. Um, let alone even talk to me. And my heart just broke when she decided to go up with this other guy called Corey. Because she didn't she know that I loved her. She rejected me. It felt completely frustrated and powerlessness that I loved this girl so much and she didn't even know I existed, let alone cared whether I liked her or not. Can you imagine what God goes through when he loves you so much, so much, but you, you pretend like he doesn't even exist? You get so busy with your lives, it's like all he wants to do is have a conversation and he can't even get that out of us. Imagine the loneliness, imagine the vulnerability that he feels, imagine the heartache, imagine the pain that he goes through, the great sense of powerlessness, the great sense of frustration that I loved you so much that I died on the cross so you and I could be best buddies for life and, and you don't want that. You, you, I've put that and I want you to choose me because I chose you but, but they're not choosing me. They're not choosing me, they're choosing other things. You see, in marriage, the thing that destroys a marriage quicker than anything else, I believe, is a husband who is self-contained. A guy who won't share his vulnerabilities, doesn't share his feelings. You know the guy, the guy that says, I told you I love you on, my, on the wedding day, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> they don't share their heart, they don't share their, their plans, they don't share their dreams, they're just so self-contained. I don't know how many counseling sessions I've done with couples where the wife goes, he doesn't share anything with me. Now, let me just prove it in case there's a guy in this place who thinks I'm lying. Would you, if you're a female in this place, would you, I'm going to ask you a question in a moment, and if you agree with this statement, would you put up your hand? That the thing that you want the most from your husband is for him to share his dreams and his vulnerabilities and his feelings. If I am right this morning and you're a married woman, would you lift your hand up? Now, if you don't believe me, guys, just have a look around for a moment. Some wives didn't put their hands up. I was like, no, I don't want him to share. <laughs> and I want to know whose problems are good enough on my own. The problem with a self-contained person is a self-contained person has nothing to offer for anybody else. It's all about them. And so they have nothing in them that they can offer someone else. Hence why God cannot be self-contained. Because the church is the bride and he is the groom. And he needs to be vulnerable and share his heart, his feelings, his dreams with his bride. If God was self-contained, he wouldn't need us and there'd be no need for us to exist. 
Are you with me this morning? See, a self-contained God draws nothing from his heart and has nothing to offer his bride. So when God sees, uh, when we see God as self-contained, see, this is a problem. We, we see God as God doesn't need us. We see God as a God who doesn't need us, so therefore our prayers are pointless. My devotional life is pointless because God doesn't really need us. We have been taught for so long that God doesn't need your prayers, you need to pray because prayer changes you. It doesn't change the heart of God. You know what? That's actually not quite biblically correct because I know stories in Scripture where God wanted to destroy the Israelites, but Moses stood in between him and them and pleaded on the people's behalf, and God changed his mind. God does need your prayers. He can't answer the prayers that are not prayed. He actually needs you. He needs you. He can't do this without you. He can't have a relationship without you. He cannot have a relationship with you if there's no thing coming back. He can't share his hearts and his dreams if you won't let. He wants to be a vulnerable God. He wants to share. He wants to meet with you. And so what happens, because we think God doesn't need us, our prayer life becomes an obligation. Our devotional life becomes a thing that we just do so we can tick our boxes and go, therefore, I, I've done it. I'm a good Christian. I'll come to church on Sunday, another tick. I gave my tithe, another tick. No, no, you don't understand that when you pray, when you read His Word, when you have a devotion, when you come to church and you worship, when you give, you meet a need in His heart that can't be met any other way. Because he's completely and totally vulnerable to you. Listen to this in James 4, verses 4 to 6. It says, you're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. And, you do, and do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he is fiercely jealous lover. And that what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It is common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In another translation, it says that he yearns for us. If I get a God who's jealous when I give something attention that he deserves, if I have a God who yearns for me, that means that there's an ache in his heart that only I can fulfill. And I have to ask myself this question, how long have I been ignoring his needs? See, it's not that God is needy. I don't want you to think that God is needy. It's not like he's needy, you know? He doesn't do what we do and go and buy chocolate and sit in front of a movie and just scoff chocolate because we're feeling needy. It's not that he's needy so much, but that in his sovereign freedom, in his sovereignty, he has freely chosen to make himself vulnerable to our choices. And he's done that so that we can meet the need of his heart. Isn't it crazy to think about, just for, I want you to think about this just for a moment, that you were created to make a need in his heart. 
I don't think we ever think like this. I think our prayer lives consist of what I need Him to meet in my heart. But have you ever thought that He has needs that you need to meet in His heart? You know, if God didn't need you, you simply wouldn't exist because God doesn't create what He doesn't want. He wants you. You know, St. Augustine, one of the great fathers of the faith way back in the you know, like early, early, early church, said this, you have made us, talking about God, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts remain restless until they find their rest in you. And that is true, but can I flip that for a moment for you, and can I say that God's heart remains restless until you give him your love and attention and meet that need in his life that only you can meet. Because there's a gap in his heart, and the gap in his heart fits you perfectly. The gap in his heart misses you at times. Well, how can you say that, Craig? This sounds almost like heresy, really. Well, let me read you a few scriptures that may help you. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. What is that talking about? He's saying, I want to come in, but I'm standing here, I'm knocking. I want to have relationship with you. Mark 13 says this. He's, when he's, when he's uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying. He says, My soul is sorrowful. Will you not watch with me for even an hour while my soul is troubled? In other words, I need you. I need you to be with me in this. Genesis 3.9, Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? I need this relationship. John 1.22, he came to his own, and his own rejected him. He was looking for love and acceptance but his own rejected him. In Matthew 23, 37, he says this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem in the Scripture speaks of the church, and it says this, How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. All through Scripture, he's yearning. If you would draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Come follow me. Come have a relationship with me. And I will make you fish. He's so longing for your love, for your affection, for your attention. Because only you can meet that need that he has in his heart. You are so unique. You are incredibly unique. But I don't think we realize that our uniqueness is that you alone can meet a desire in the heart of God that no other person can meet. Your uniqueness is not that you have, um, I don't know, six toes. Everyone in Waiuku has that. No, just joking. Um, just joking. Uh, I should have said North Shore or something. Your uniqueness is that you have this uniqueness where you can meet a need in God's heart that nobody else can meet. Some of you I can see are struggling with this this morning. See, if you choose to ignore him in your daily life, there's no other person. Come on. There's no other person. If you ignore him, there's no other person that can meet that need that he has. It's forever lost. Oh, I don't know about that, Craig. Well, let me, let me answer, ask this question. I'll, I'll help you out a little bit. The relationship that I have with Trinity, I cannot have with anyone else. If she died and I remarried, the, the, the relationship I have with my new wife would never be the relationship that I have with Trinity. 
The relationship I have with my beautiful 16-year-old daughter is not the same as the relationship I have with my little punk 12-year-old son. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? Sorry. <laughs> no, I love him to pieces. And the relationship that I have with Seth, I can't have with Madison. If I lost one of my kids, I've lost that relationship forever. I'll never get it back. I've watched my parents over the last four to five years grieve for five years because my brother died and they've lost relationship and they've built a great relationship with his kids. But Isaac is not Bryce and Grace is not Bryce. They have lost the relationship that they had with their son Bryce forever because he's not here anymore. You have to understand something, that the relationship that God has with me does not meet the needs that the relationship that Catherine has with God or that Mark has with God or that Rob Tonkin has with God. It's not like God goes, oh, well, Rob Tonkin's... I'm not saying you're not, Rob, don't take offense. Rob Tonkin's not having a relationship with me, so what I'll do is I'll do a photocopy. I'll do a copy of him, and then, because God doesn't do copies, yes? So that means that the relationship that God wants from me, he can't get from anyone else. The relationship that God wants from you, he can't get from anywhere else. You have to understand that if you are not going to be in relationship with him, if you're going to ignore him, if you're going to put yourself before his needs, if you're not going to understand that we're in a relationship here and he is my husband and he is the one that loves me and, and if I never ever communicate, I never share with him, I never, he never can get that from anybody else. He can only get what he gets from you from you. Yes, other people meet his needs in other areas, but you'll never find anyone else that can touch God's heart the way that you touch his heart because he's made you unique like that. He is so vulnerable to you. Mackenzie Stone can come up to me after the service and beg and grovel as much as she like for me to give her $50 so she can go and eat with people after church this morning. And I'm telling you, it won't happen. <laughs> but if this beautiful 16-year-old girl called Madison comes up and goes, Daddy, can I have $50? Yep. <laughs> Why? Because only she can pull on my heart the way that she pulls on my heart. I love Mackenzie, but she just doesn't have that sway over me. <laughs> She'll have to talk to Lance about that. The idea, just think about this for a moment. I just want you to think, just for a moment. But the idea that our God submits himself, submits himself, to our choices for no other reason but that he's in love with you. I struggle with that. I struggle with the thought that my God has limited himself because of my choices. I start to think about all the things that I've blamed God for that really are my fault the times that I blamed him for not coming through for me, but I never ever talked to him about it. The times that I've 
said to him, you weren't there for me, but I was never been there for him. That this vulnerable God is lonely for our attention, for our company. That this vulnerable God thirsts for your love. And when you're too busy or distracted to pay him any attention, I think if we could just get hold of this revelation, it'll change our lives if we understand that, that I don't pray because I have to. I don't read the scriptures because I have to. I don't come to church because I have to. I don't give because I have to. I, I do all that because I'm meeting a need in my husband's life, in my God's life. I'm meeting a need in his heart. Oh, man, all the obligation disappears. You know, Almighty God became absolutely vulnerable and became a baby in the arms of a teenage girl, sleeping in a stable, yield to their fragile choices so that he may have a relationship with you. Just think about even that for a moment. He put his fate into the hands of a teenage girl and her choices just so that he could have a relationship with you. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't put the fate of my hands, I love, my te- I love our youth, but I wouldn't put the fate of my life in any of your hands, I'm sorry. <laughs> but he made himself so vulnerable because he wants to have a relationship with you. Yes, I understand that it's the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us acceptable. I understand that. I understand without the shedding of his blood, we wouldn't be accepted. But, but ask yourself the question, what was the yearning motivation of him for shedding his blood? Yes, without his blood, we're not accepted. But the reason why he shed his blood, the main reason why he did it is because he yearns, he craves, he desires, he hurts for a relationship with you and I. When we understand that our awesome, amazing God needs us, I'm telling you, you won't have any self-esteem issues. Come on. I, I don't know about you, but my self-esteem issues come out of the fact that, that I want other people to think I'm cool. I want other people to need me. I want other people to feel that I'm valuable. But when I understand that almighty God, almighty God has a need that only I can meet, my self-esteem level goes to a whole nother level. Because you know what? Self-esteem can't be self-generated. That's why he did what he did, so that you would understand that you're created in his image and in his likeness. And just like he wants relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit, he wants relationship with you. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, that I can meet a need in God's heart, that there's a uniqueness to my life that nobody else has, they can meet something that God needs met, Man, I feel pretty awesome about myself. I don't know about you, but my self-esteem just goes to a whole nother level. The fact that this incredible almighty God that built the universe holds it between his thumb and his forefinger, turned around and said, you can meet a need in my heart. I don't know about you, but it just makes me feel spectacular. So often we fall into obligation in our relationship with God. But I'd like to think that after this morning, that when you understand how vulnerable he is, 
when I understand how lonely he is for my friendship. I want to ask you this morning, what are you going to do with this knowledge now? Now that you understand that he is so lonely for your friendship, he is so in need of having a relationship with you, what are you going to do with that? Because once again, we can hear all of this, but it's our personal choice to do something about it. How are you going to respond to this? Because when, when our desires for other things outweigh our desires for God, He gets jealous. He hurts. He hurts. His vulnerability makes him open to rejection, but without the vulnerability, there can't be any love. And now it's your choice. Only you can choose what you decide to make a priority in your life. But I want to say this to you this morning, that God is waiting for the pleasure of your friendship, the pleasure of your loyalty, the pleasure of your love. God is waiting for that. And I think the reality is that if he is lonely for you in this life, friend, you may be lonely for him in the next. Jesus just wants to hang out with you. Jesus just wants to hang out with you. He has a need in his heart that only you can meet. And I had to ask myself this question over the last six weeks. How much longer am I going to ignore his needs? Yeah, he's such a good God. The scripture says is that he supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Friend, I want to ask you a question this morning. Will you supply his needs? Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? just want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to be honest with yourself and say, you know what? Wow, you're right. God has come and he has cleaned up the mess of my life and he's dealt with the stuff of my life. Like He has really shown himself as saviour. He's really done everything that he promised he would do. Now, if that is an answer of yes, then the question should be, have I actually done everything that I need to do to meet his needs? Have I fallen into this trap to think that God doesn't need me? And, and I pray because I have to, and I read his word because I have to, and I come to church because I have to, and I serve on a volunteer team because I have to, because I feel like I'm obligated? Or are we going to change in our thinking this morning and understand, whoa, I need to do those things because He needs me to. When I pray, I meet His needs. When I read His Word, I meet His needs. When I give, I meet His needs. When I attend church and worship, in spite of my circumstances, I meet His needs. When I witness to my next door neighbor, I meet His needs. When I serve on a team, I meet His needs. Because what I do for the least of these, I do for Him. And I understand 
that, that it's not about what he can do for me, but it's about what I do for him. And in doing what he needs, he does what I need. And we have this beautiful relationship, husband and wife, Christ and the church. So my question this morning is, are you going to meet his needs or are we just going to continue on the way we have for the last 10, 15, 20 30 years. Are we this morning going to go, you know what, God? Like I did this week on Monday in my lounge on my knees and say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for neglecting your needs, for being so selfish. And you know what I pray now, when I read my word now, during worship now, it's like, There's no have to. It's like I'm meeting a need in his heart right now. God is feeling loved by me right now. And I don't know about you, but when I feel loved by my kids, I can't help but love them back. 